when I work with teenagers, when I work with high schools, when I speak in high schools, I can't help but notice that things really are different. And I know as a parent, as an adult, when we see kids going through things, we like to uh, create a connection with them by saying, I remember what it was like to be a teenager. We don't. Um, number one, we don't. We, we, we absolutely may remember moments. But that day in, day out struggle of thinking you're going insane and wondering if anybody understands you. Are people listening to you? Are you seen? Are you experienced? Uh, are you felt? Are you... Think back as an adult, as a parent, to the tumultuous years of that absolute hormonal brain dump. Your brain is literally trying to start over. And through it all, you're expected to act like an adult and make good decisions, even though your prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed yet. You're expected to make long-term plans, even though your brain is actually not ready to make long-term plans. And you're really supposed to be careful about the friends you pick. When really, you just don't want to be alone. And if you can remember that as an adult, if you can remember those basic concepts as an adult, now add on that we are in a state of pure information anarchy. This is the internet is the truest experiment of anarchy we have ever had. And it is completely out of control. It is an information overload. These children have the library of Alexandria in their lap. And quite frankly, adults have enough problem figuring out which of the uh, uh, internets and what, not internets, which of the websites are real. It's like having the sum total of human knowledge and you don't know how to look up the source. So the information that these teenagers are getting, that these children are getting, their hands on, is complete chaos. So how, what does a child think? What does a teenager think? What is it like to be a teenager nowadays? What is it like when half the people you know have depression, the other half hang, have anxiety? What is it like to have 20% or 25% if you're here in Colorado of the kids around you admittedly smoking marijuana? What's it like that you can get any drug at school? What's it like to go through a lockdown procedure for a live shooter scenario? Well, as an adult, it, it, we, can, we can try to tell them what it's like and we can try to guess what it's like. But I had a, a young man named Victor reach out to me and ask to be on the show. And I said, yes. And in talking with him, and you, and you can go see the behind the scenes of Beyond Risk and Back on YouTube uh, and uh, on the Mental Health News Radio YouTube uh, channel. And you can see the behind the scenes conversation that I just had with Victor. This kid's got hustle. This, this, this teen has decided what it is he's going to do here on this planet. It's very rare. Because quite frankly, if you ask a lot of teenagers, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? They don't know. There's too many choices, too many options. I want you to listen to this teenager because rather than decide what it's like to be a teenager, rather than tell teens that we remember because we were teens once, 
let's ask a team. So I'm going to ask Victor these questions. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time, and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way. Great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? My name is Aaron Huey, and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I want to give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Thank Victor, you. I'm so glad you're here, man. Welcome to the I'm show. I'm so glad to be here too, Aaron. It's it's really good to be here. I'm I'm really honored and I'm nervous, but I'm ready to go and I can't wait to share some insight with you and your listeners. Uh, this is awesome. So tell me first, you're talking from your car. You don't live in your car, do you? I, uh, well, you know, I should make a joke out of that. If I showed you what my car looked like, you probably would think I live in it. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're not, we're not going to do that, but um, but for, for the most part, I am in my car a lot, but I actually just got done with track practice. So I'm coming to you live from track practice. So there you go. What do you run in track? Uh, well, I do just a little bit of everything, but I just tried cross country last uh, semester and I decided that I liked it. And I, you know, I've kind of, I guess I feel like a uh, distance runner. So I'm going to be doing a lot of distance stuff in track, but also a few hundred, 200, 300s, 400. So I'm looking forward to it. But, are sports, are sports in high school still just as popular as I would like to say they were when I was a kid? It was a pretty big deal. Is it, <laughs> is it still a primary focus? Do people want to be in sports? Yeah, a lot of people do want to be in sports. I mean, for me personally, Aaron, you know, I, I'm I'm a little different. So, I mean, I don't really I, – I make my own judgments about people. But, unfortunately, in high school, it is a very judgmental, um, you know, area and, and realm. And I feel like a lot of kids get judged based off of their athletic abilities. So, in that regard, it is still a very, very, very high realm. I mean, if you're on the basketball team or you're on the football team, you're looked as – almost I guess um inferior to them because you can't do what they can do so it's just it's still that little of a game but you know um that's just the way it is I suppose but I want to change that you know that that is one thing I also want to change is kind of that epitome of people being used to um you know the way things are you know I kind of I would like to maybe push that a little bit and push people out their comfort zone and maybe really look into that more and be like well you know, we all, you know, we all are human here, you know, kind of that more of an outlook, you know, we all deserve respect and love and, and, you know, no matter what sport we may do or whether we do sports at all, you know, I think we all still deserve to, to be looked at as, you know, um, a, a person, you know. 
Do you, I want to jump right into some of the, the big questions that I know a lot of parents might have. Do you fear violence in your school? Are you, do you guys think about shooters? Have you done like live shooter or active shooter training scenarios, learning how to barricade a room or hide under your desk? Believe it or not, unfortunately, and this is pretty sad for me personally to say, but a lot of kids within my school, we have not participated in any kind of active shooter stuff. But a lot of kids like to joke about it. A lot of kids have gotten to a point where, where, you know, I mean, one of the school policies now because of some of these school shootings is no hoods, you know, or no kind of masks or anything that can cover your face. You know, you kind of have to have a lot of your body exposed to where people can see it clearly. You know, a lot more cameras have been set up in different areas. Um, But for the most part, you know, these kids you know, they don't seem very shell-shocked by any of this. They seem almost, uh, and it's really sad to see, Aaron, because, you know, for me personally, I know how serious this could be if something like this were legitimate and to really happen, but they look at it as more of a joke, like, oh, yeah, that would never happen, or, you know, yeah, that, that could never happen. That's so, you know, stupid, or this or that. And, you know, it really scares me, because what if one day something like that really does happen, and, you know, our teenagers, not just our teenagers, but maybe our teachers, aren't prepared for something like that. How do you go about something like that? You know? Now you're talking about, you know, uh, your frustration with them laughing it off because you've lost a friend to a shooting. Correct. Correct. Tell, me, tell us about that. Well, um, I grew up originally in Brooklyn, New York, and now I reside in North Carolina, a small town in North Carolina. And, you know, of course, being in Brooklyn, a, a big city like that, you're exposed to a lot of things. You know, a lot of kids that are here in my town now, you know, kind of look at me like I'm crazy when I tell them some of the things I saw growing up in a city like that. Um, But my best friend, Ethan, uh, he and I, you know, were kind of two, I guess at the time we were portrayed as the two biggest nerds of the school that we were going to. And that was because we're really book smart. You know, we we really enjoyed learning about new things. You know, Uh, his favorite subject was history and my favorite subject was English. And it was something that we both excelled in. Um, And it became such a big thing about us getting bullied and kind of verbally, you know, abused by some of these people that, you know, and you got to keep in mind, my best friend, Ethan, had lost both his parents at the age of four. So he never knew who his parents were. He had been bounced around in 10 foster homes and foster families. And, you know, he never had a grasp of like where he belongs in life. He never had that understanding of like, or that, that, you know, I guess that, that feeling of closure, like, oh, thank the Lord, you know, I'm finally in, in a loving place and in a positive place where I can excel. He always spent his life just being nervous and scared. And it was really a shame to see, you know, because even I could do everything possible and, and talk to him and, and try to distract his mind, but it still wasn't really enough to take him away from what he was feeling, you know, and it was just a constant feeling that he had. And I could see that in him you know, and after a while, he finally, you know, just kind of got adapted to living with his great aunt, who was 82. She was barely affording to live in the house that they were in. And, you know, it was just a matter of time before she was gone, too. Um, But, you know, finally, for once, he looked like he was doing okay. Well, little did I know, you know, after we had discussed some things, this was maybe about three weeks after we discussed about opening our own practice when we grow up, like we'll go to school for psychology, you know, we'll do something with mental health and we'll help a bunch of kids. 
that are not, you know, feeling good about themselves. You know, we will sit down and talk to them and instead of treating them like clients, more of like friends, like, Hey, I'm going to put myself in your shoes and you tell me about what you've been through and let's come up with, you know, let's analyze it and then let's come up with solutions, A, B, C, D, you know, and not necessarily it being the correct answers or the right answers because, you know, we can't, we can't choose what the right pathway is for people, but rather, you know, giving friendly advice or just being someone they could lean on. And we had this perfect idea of this is how it's going to be. And, you know, we we're really excited. Well, just as soon as I thought everything was going well, you know, I could tell that his mood was kind of changing and dropping. And, you know, finally, one night he called me over to his house and he was alone at home. And I just saw him on the couch when I walked in his house, just with his hands over his head and, and he was crying. You know, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know how to feel. And I was like, hey, man, you know, you can talk to me. You can tell me what's going on. We, we've been close since, you know, forever. Like, you can tell me what's going on he just absolutely refused to tell me what was going on. He said, you would not be, you'd be disappointed in me. You'd be disappointed in me. And I said, well, I said, I'm going to care about you no matter what. And if something's going on, I'll help you and we'll get you, you know, to a point where you can feel good again. You know, just tell me what's going on. Well, he wouldn't budge. So I accepted it. You know, you can only push so much. And I was like, okay, you know, well, I'm going to go home. You let me know if you need anything. Just call me and we'll talk, whatever. Well, next day at school, he's not there. And he always sits next to me in our first period. And third period comes around about 12 o'clock and a school nurse walks in. And she's like, can I, you know, does Victor here? And I said, yes, ma'am, that's me. And uh, she, you know, pulls me to the side and she goes, um, now, she goes, I don't like to be a bearer of bad news. She goes, I don't like to, you know, tell people bad things or bad news or hurt them like this. She goes, but can you come with me? You know, we, we need to talk. I said, yes, ma'am. You know, and I grabbed my stuff and walked over. You know, at this point, I'm like freaking out. And uh, I thought, you know, maybe I'd lost a family member or something like that. And then she tells me that Ethan had been involved in a shooting. And I said do you know the details? She did not know absolutely Jack, you know, and it was just really pissing me off, pardon my language. And I'm just kind of like, well, someone needs to tell me what the hell is going on here. You know, find me somewhere to go. Is he in a hospital? Is he still stable? Is he unconscious? What's going on? Someone tell me something, you know, let me go, let me go. You know, I'm just in this denial and this frustration and just being upset. She's like, calm down. You know, I'm just like, you don't tell someone who's already at that point to calm down, you know? So that didn't really help anything, but come to find out he had ended up um, getting into drugs and I'm talking the hard drugs and I don't want to really get too much into it, but I assume now that that was what he was going to tell me about and he was in some kind of trouble that he couldn't tell me about because either A, he was scared for his life or B, he just didn't know if I was going to stick with him through it, which I would have, you know, and I would have, I would have helped him try to find some way to get out of it. But I guess he just gotten too much, you know, too far into it to where just things just got out of hand. But, you know, even though he's not here and even though I still, I don't think you ever fully get over something like that. Kind of like what I was telling to Aaron behind the scenes, you know, is, I have not only has this been a passion of mine to help people, not only my age, but of all ages, 
but because I saw how passionate he was when we talked about it, I also want to do it for his, you know, legacy as well and in his memory. And I guess it just is more of like a motivating factor. Like even though he may not be here physically, he is here in spirit and he's in my heart and I can carry him with me wherever I may go. So. You talked about when you originally um, uh, sent me an email that, uh, that you wanted to talk about things that, that uh, teens are dealing with and things that are uh, uh, you know, having to do with depression you and I spoke about and the social media. Um, the assumption that adults make is that pretty much teenagers are now, we should just call them all screenagers. Um, and um, you, you seem to have some pretty big opinions on social media. You're, you're, you, you, we will be utilizing a social media platform for this podcast, for the behind the scenes episode. Um, tell me your take on what's going on uh, watching yourself and your, your peers uh, mm-hmm. with the amount of, of social media that they use. What's, what's going on with this? Well, I definitely think that there, I mean, there's pros and cons to everything, you know, that's a very generic statement, but you know, for a lot of teenagers, it's becoming a thing to rely on social media as more of an outlet to maybe express themselves or, you know, I think a lot of kids, you know, for example, you know, I know a lot of kids in my own school who have a better time texting someone than they do actually walking up to them and talking to them in person. Um, and I think this kind of goes. Why, why is that? That's, that's one of the questions that adults like really don't understand. Why, why uh, text them when you could talk to them? I feel like, you know, a lot of kids are not, if, unless they have been raised a certain way, they're not accustomed to maybe having these social skills to be able to, you know, feel comfortable enough with themselves to carry themselves well enough to go and talk to someone like that in person. Um, you know, for me personally, growing up around my mom and my dad, my mom being like an English instructor and my dad being in criminal justice, it's always been a thing to, to hold some kind of, you know, social skill to be able to walk up to someone and introduce yourself and shake their hand and, you know, hold the door for someone, you know, or elderly person, help them across the street. Those are just kind of things that you, you know, instinctively, you know, this is the, the right way to do things. Um, but I feel like a lot of kids are not exposed to that nowadays. So that's, you know. I would say that's a reasonable explanation as to why these kids really don't understand the importance of that or maybe feel comfortable enough to do something like that. I'm not saying that it's right to be like that. I mean, personally, I think you should be able to do both, not only be able to text someone, but be able to present yourself in a manner where you can walk up to someone and talk to them. But at the same time, now with people having like social anxieties and things like this, it can be explained, you know? You you say a lot when you're talking about your peers and stuff, you say these kids. And I'm wondering if you feel like a kid, if you feel like an adult, if you see your peers different than you, if you see them struggling more than you, how is it you see the other people in your environment when you're when you're at school? You're you first of all, you you're very eloquent. You come off very, very well. You seem to have a a really strong passion for supporting and helping others and a desire to make a change. Um, as as someone who studies human behavior on a daily basis, when I see a teenager refer to other teenagers as these kids, I have to ask the question, 
are you one of these kids or do you got something else going on that you're feeling that other kids are missing out on or that you could help them discover? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that not only can I kind of maybe exemplify that you have this, you know, power to do something in the world, because after all, you know, what we do now is what's going to inspire the next generation as well. You know, and I think that goes for all of us, you know, and I mean, for me personally, when I refer to them as, you know, these kids, I would like to think that, you know, I mean, for me personally, because I've been raised to be more, you know, mature outlooked and, and this and that, you know, have participated in, in, in college plays, you know, I'm an actor on the side as well. And I've been, you know, introduced to a collegiate level acting club, you know, I've been around adults for majority of my life, you know, um, and it was kind of hard for me to relate to kids my age, you know, three, four years ago, but I just now started kind of getting back around to where, you know, and I'll tell you a little bit of insight is I was actually homeschooled a year ago before I went to high school. So going to high school was my decision. Um, and the reason why I wanted to do that was because I had actually gone through some therapy and, you know, my therapist and I have been talking completely my choice. My parents didn't put me in it or anything. I just wanted to experience it. And, you know, I think everyone should at least give it a shot and try it out. Um, and I'm trying it out, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know, pardon my language, but what the hell, this guy needs to give me the answers to everything in my life, you know, cause I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm paying for this, you know, but one thing that really stood out to me that he told me is his job is not to, you know, give me the answers, but rather let me talk enough to where I find my own answers through what I'm saying. So it's more about me talking it out enough to where I lay it all out there and I find the answers out for myself based upon what I've discovered and what I'm talking about. And I think that really hit me hard because it made me realize, you know, he's right. You know, you don't, you shouldn't really rely on others to provide answers for you, but come to the conclusion of, you know, I guess in a retrospect, I need to find myself and I need to find what makes me happy and I need to find what, you know, will keep me going and motivated to keep living my life. But yes, you know, like you said, as far as referring to these kids, I do see myself as someone that stands out in the crowd and I've kind of used that to my advantage through, you know, reaching out to you or, or just reaching out to anybody in general or starting what I started on social media. Granted, I really do want this to blow up. I don't want it to just remain kind of concealed the way it is, which is why I've reached out to you, why I plan to reach out to others. Anybody that may be listening may want to do something. You know, I'm open to everything. And although I may be busy, you know, I still want to have my hands full because even though I may be busy with school and I may be busy with these, you know, activities such as track, on my other spare time, and even when I'm in school, I still want to be helping people. I still want to do this because it's a really strong passion that just burns in my heart. And I can see so many people that really just need someone to confide in or someone to talk to. And we really don't have a lot of people, uh, you know, especially with my age range that stand out there and say, hey, I want to make a change. And I guess I want to change that. I want people to feel compelled enough to where they can say, hey, he's doing it so I can do it too. Do you think therapy is the best route for that? Or do you have some other ideas that you would like to, uh, uh, to pursue and see if they work out? 
what what do you mean? What are you referring to when you say to get there? out there and help other people and and let them know that there's support and someone to confide in? How, based on where you are right now and how you see things, what's what's the easiest way to do that? I think or the, the best way. way. Well, for me personally, I'm really good at you know really conversing with people so it's more of like a I'm your friend kind of thing so you know kind of connecting on that friend level and then once they start to get accustomed and see hey you know he's he's really outgoing and does seem to care they get comfortable enough with you to where they share with you what's going on in their life so I guess in your yeah therapy you know I guess that would be considered as therapy I do think it's important to talk those things out but you first you know there's certain levels you know there's stages that you need to go through and I think that first stage is you know them getting comfortable with you you know kind of getting to know a little bit who you are and then that's when you start to push them just a little bit out of their comfort zone to where they're like well you know maybe I should share just a little bit and see how I feel and then if they you know start to discover it feels good they just keep going with it you know but I don't think I think you know everybody is different and everybody, you know, has a different coping mechanism and they have different ways of dealing with things. So I think, you know, for me to sit here and say, oh, it's just therapy that's going to help would be kind of, it would be idiotic of me because everybody is different and everybody has a different way of looking at life or different outlooks. So I think any outlook that you yourself can see helps you out, you should pursue. I don't think you should just, you know, you know what I'm saying? It shouldn't just I do. be one outlook. I do. Let's let's turn back to the conversation about social media, and then I want to talk about um, um, some experiences in school again. I want yeah. I want to understand bullying. Uh, you know what you see, what you hear. But uh, going back to social media, what's the biggest problem with social media um, in your school? In your experience? In my school and in my experience. Well, for me personally, it just is very distracting. You know, it can definitely take you away from your responsibilities or the things that you should be doing, you know, like your homework. Hint, hint. Um, but, you know, I mean, ultimately, kind of like what I said earlier, Aaron, you know, there, there are pros and cons to it. And I think the pros are you do have this chance to see what other people are saying in the world. Like, for example, if I hadn't had it, I wouldn't have been able to outreach to you. But that's just the Internet in general. You know, if, if I hadn't been able to go on there and look these things up, I wouldn't have been able to outreach to you or a lot of other people that I've helped, you know, through my span of being on social media. But I think it gives people a sense of, um, you know, connectivity. You know, I feel like people feel more connected when not only do they see them in real life, but they also kind of have this, you know, out of school, you know, because back in the day, you didn't really have that, you know, it was more of like, hey, man, I'll see you Monday, you know, like, you know, after Friday, hey, man, I'll see you Monday. Now it's kind of like, well, no, you know, I can hang out with you tomorrow, you know, and I'll, you know, I'll see, I'll text you, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it, we'll find a time to hang out. So I think, you know, people are more. So I want to, I want to say you're, you're literally saying that you hang out with your friends on weekends, and you're not even together. You guys are hanging out. Because otherwise you wouldn't see them till Monday and people would feel more isolated. You're talking to someone who had friends in my neighborhood. I didn't need a car to go see my friends because I grew up in a small town and I was able to, I grew up in a neighborhood with the friends. So when right. I said, I'll see you tomorrow, it, it meant knew. that they, they were coming over yep. to my house. You knew, yeah. But you're saying you guys hang out online. 
We do. We do. And it's become a thing where like people are, you know, incorporating FaceTime or Skype or, you know, now FaceTime came out, I think just a couple months ago with group FaceTime, um, where you can have multiple people kind of be on one phone call. Um, of course, that's been around for a while now, but still, you know, kind of the fact that you have that opportunity to do that, I think a lot of kids are taking advantage of it. But like I said, it can also be, I mean, it's not necessarily, I mean, I still think that you need to go outside and you still need to experience the outside world, you know, whether it's, you know, I mean, just bird watching. One of my other hobbies, you know, I, I used to bird watch a lot on my downtime. Unfortunately, though, because of school and scheduling, I haven't really been able to do that much. But I was lucky enough from when, you know, I was younger, my mom kind of introduced me to bird watching. And it was something that I could go outside and it didn't have to be long, you know, 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And I could sit there and just feel relaxed. And in the moment, like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is this is actually pretty cool. You know, you're away from anything on social media or anything that has to do with the Internet. You kind of have that disconnect. But then again, I feel like, you know, a lot of kids, they cannot go without their phone. I see that a lot and how much you depend on it. Like if the cell towers were to go out right now, that would honestly make my heart drop because I think it really goes to show how much we depend on our phones. You know, whether it's texting mom or dad or whether it's, you know, texting my girlfriend who right now is at NC State University studying to become a veterinarian. You know, I mean, if it weren't for technology, she and I wouldn't be able to hold our relationship together. Granted, we met here, but you know, she moved on. She's got a roommate and everything too. And yeah, we see each other every now and then, but if the FaceTime calls didn't happen and this didn't go on, I wouldn't be able to, I, I don't know how I would feel about that, you know, but it does hold things together. And it, it is a retrospect that, you know, it really is something that a lot of people depend on, not just teenagers, but I think a lot of adults as well now. Oh, they do. They, they do. And of, uh, of course, the conversation for the parents listening to the show is so much about, you know, why do the teens do it? Why do the teens do it? But quite frankly, adults are doing it too. Adults, mm-hmm. my, my, my generation, the Gen Xers, we forgot what it's like to grow up without it. Like because we're glued to them, and and we we like to say, oh, the you know the the teens and their video games, the teens and the internet. Well, the teens didn't invent either of them. We did, and we're yeah. the ones selling them, and we're the ones marketing them, and we're the ones inventing them. So it's a little bit of a of a cop out to just point fingers. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about the bullying thing because yeah. we feel, we feel my generation feels like bullying has changed. I come, I was bullied mercilessly in, in elementary school and uh, junior high. Um, but it was much different. We still did. We did have boys will be boys. And we did have a hazing was still part of, of things that took place in my junior high school. The seniors would, or the, the senior high students would come down to the junior high and chase us into mm-hmm. throw us in the, in the oligarchy ditch. And if any of my friends from Longmont are listening, the oligarchy ditch behind Northeast, you know, <laughs> you know how it played out, man. So I'm, I'm curious because now, um, the older generations feel that the younger generation is a hell of a lot more sensitive than we are, except we're the parents of the generation and are absolutely not wanting schools to tolerate any kind of bullying. Um, 
And is it, do you think bullying is happening more or do you think we're more villi- uh, uh, vigilant and diligent about intervening on bullying um, because there's more things to bully, because more things are being uh, publicly accepted, being gender fluid, gender neutral, um, being LGBT uh, uh, and, and, and queer uh, um, is it, what do you think? Tell me about bullying in your high school. Tell me about bullying in teenagers, uh, period. Well, that's a very, that's a touchy subject. That's a very hard subject to get into. But personally, you know, um, from not only experience, but just from my own, you know, kind of opinion, um, I do agree with some people. I think that, I mean, again, people are different. So some are going to be more prone to being more sensitive than other kids, you know? Um, And I see that a lot in my own school. You know, I think I see a lot of kids, you know, within the LGBT community, you know, they come out and then, you know, another kid who was real quiet about maybe, you know, what their sexual orientation might've been, you know, they're like, Oh, I can do it and I'll be accepted just like he was. And then they start to do it and then it kind of goes the other way. And then it's just kind of like, oh, shit, what did I do? <laughs> you know, kind of like, well, maybe I should not have done that. And they start to feel guilty about it. And it becomes something that people can attack because they see that at that point you're kind of vulnerable and you don't feel good about yourself. And, you know, if you're not socially accepted, then you don't feel good about yourself. That's happened to me. I think that's happened to a lot of us where you, if you don't feel like you fit in, or you don't have that group of people where you can relate to it just you feel empty or you have some source of emptiness so i do think you know bullying is something that is you know and also to touch on kind of what you were saying about different types of bullying now there's cyberbullying you know through social media as well where you know anybody has the opportunity to make a fake account without being traced or tracked without, you know, of course the FBI gets involved or anything like that. I'm pretty sure they could track them down, but still, regardless, you have the opportunity to attack people without having your identity kind of out there. And that is scary, you know, because you don't know who is coming at you. You don't know, you know, why they're saying these terrible things about you. You can have people start rumors about you and it can mentally mess you up. I've seen so many people in high schools, you know, whether it's like a a little breakup or something like that, you know, Jimmy had a crush on so-and-so and, and, you know, uh, Jimmy's ex, you know, exposed a bunch of nudes that were sent, you know, on social media. And now it has become a big thing that has gone around the whole school and Jimmy's getting humiliated by all his friends and all his friends have turned against him now because they all thought that, you know, he was something that he's not, you know, basically, you know, you start to learn the lesson of, you know, it's become, you know, like I said, technology is so powerful that you have these opportunities right at your fingertips to one minute have something so good going for you in the next, just allow yourself to ruin it all. Or, you know, in your mind or in in your head, you have that opportunity to just mess yourself up mentally. So it's not just, it's not still just that bullying is happening or uh, uh, that, that there's more ways to bully. You're also talking about the speed of which somebody's life can be, the carpet can be yanked out from underneath them. Like within, within a second, you know, easy. And it's scary. It's really scary because you see these people one minute who are real popular, you know, within the high school where they had this high reputation and the next they just, 
are literally looked at as trash. Are you, you know, worried about your reputation? Is this something that you actually concern yourself with? No, I don't. I mean, because to me, if you like me, you like me. And if you, you know, want to give a damn about me, then you can give a damn about me. Sure. I'm not going to sit there and, and beg for you to like me or beg for you to listen to what I'm saying. But if you want to, great. But if you don't, that's cool. I still hope that you have a good life and I, I'm not going to wish any bad upon you. And I'm not going to sit there and look at you in a negative light because that wouldn't be right of me because I don't know what you're going through. But I'm not going to sit there and worry about their opinion or worry about what they think about me. But I think a lot of people my age do do that because, again, it kind of goes back to, you know, feeling accepted. You know, a lot of kids want to feel that exception or feel, you know, like they belong. And if you don't feel that way, then, you know, you can't keep going. But for me personally, I find something, you know, whether it's through the people that I have impacted the people I have helped, those are the ones I worry about, not the ones that don't want any light of that. So we're, we're coming around to the end of the show. So I want, I want you to give me three things that you think parents could do better or differently that would help their, their teens in high school that, that maybe your parents did with you or didn't and you wish they had, or they did and you wish they didn't, or they did and you're glad they did. Give me, give parents three things <laughs> they could do to really support their kids going okay. through high school. Notice. Okay. Okay. Um, I think um, being more aware, awareness. I think, you know, this could get, be as simple as asking your child, um, you know, uh, how was school? But really in a manner like, well, tell me about what you learned today in classes or tell me, you know, as, you know, who are your friends or, you know, not really necessarily being nosy, but showing that, you know, you, you do care enough to ask how things are going, you know, because I think a lot of, you know, especially for me growing up, you know, my mom would be like, so how was school? And I'd be like, good. And I just go straight to my room. You know, you don't really elaborate on it. You know, it's just kind of like, basically f you i'm going to my room and i'm just gonna sit there and i'm not gonna come out for a long time you know but i feel like a lot of teenagers do that because maybe they don't have that connection with their with their parents or they don't have that emotional tie to their parents so if you can find a way to really get that emotional tie that is very valuable to have you know okay. um, so that that is one thing i Good think number one is, awareness and yeah. and learning how to ask the question correct. Uh, how was school today okay good correct. uh number two would be uh understanding you know uh i think being more open to you know kind of the new things that are going on in our generation whether it's you know new trends you know i think a lot of people you know, looked at kind of like the dabbing or the whipping or all that kind of stuff that came out as kind of dumb and idiotic and you know, stupid, but, you know, upon really further seeing it, you know, you, you can look back maybe on your childhood and be like, well, I remember when that was a thing, or I remember when that was going on. So maybe that can be something that parents can maybe relate to or see and be like, well, maybe it's not so stupid after all, or maybe it's not so dumb after all. And, you know, it's good for them to have that goofy side or that, you know, side where they can let loose and, and, and maybe not really, you know, lose it so much, but, just to have a little bit of fun here, you know, but as my mom said, not too much fun, but <laughs> have fun, but not too much fun. All right. Give me one more. Give me a third thing parents could, uh, could do to really support uh, a teen in school nowadays. A third thing would be, I'll, I don't, cause this doesn't apply to everybody, but maybe being more, more involved. I know this doesn't apply to everybody, 
but for me personally, with my own family, I wish that my mom and dad had made an effort to be more involved in what was going on in my life. And whether, you know, or not, I like it. They had certain things going on in their own individual lives that held them from being able to do that. And I'm not going to hold that against them. But for you parents that can be more involved and do have the opportunity to do that, take advantage of that and don't shy away from it because bonding for us, you know, and I speak as a teenager bonding for us, we may act like we don't want it, but we do because at the end of the day, through all this discussion we had on this podcast, the number one thing was acceptance. And, you know, you feel some sort of acceptance with that bonding time and being involved. And, and, you know, it could be as simple as going out for ice cream or or going to that favorite restaurant or, or wherever, but just being more involved. And, you know, again, this goes to the parents that can do that. And for the ones that can't still do your very best that you can to be involved just because you may not have necessarily the time to go out and do these things. I said, doesn't mean that you can't try other things so just always stay open-minded and aware. And like I said, understanding and, and so on and so on. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. All right, Victor, stay on the line with me for a second. Um, for sure. is, is parents, um, I really want you to hear what he's saying. And, and if you have to listen to this podcast again, do because, uh, as I'm listening to him, I hear him saying the exact same thing that the kids in our facility said, I hear him saying things that my teen said to me. Um, and I know that when we're listening, we're, we're hearing things and we can pass it off as he doesn't understand and, and the mortgage and the, but they do, they understand it from their perspective. And that's the thing that we keep telling them that we're doing about their lives. Well, we get it. We were teens once too. Um, What I can say to parents is that brain development hasn't changed. That teenagers are not developing any faster than we did when we were teens. Uh, However, the world they are living in is moving much quicker than ours did. And changes are happening much faster. And they have access to information that legitimately is beyond their developmental level to truly comprehend. They may understand it. They may see it. It may even traumatize their brain. But the comprehension piece, the body and the brain's ability to reconcile that so it doesn't traumatize, that's the piece that is still not developed. We have to take that into consideration. I think listening to Victor, I what I remembered suddenly about being 17 was how much of the world I could see. It's like I was old enough to choose. I was old enough to lose. I was old enough to understand the the nine o'clock news. But he's still 17. He can't even vote. He can't serve. He can't do anything about this thing that this world's going on. And you can hear his voice, how he's striving and starving to get out there and affect the world. And that's exactly what we want. So when someone who wants to come out and affect the world like that, to make a difference like that, 
How could we not get into it with him? How could we not try to help him find a way to give him access to resources? So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to log off the line. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to him some more about some of the things uh, that I think he's looking at next in his life. Um, so thank you for joining me on Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you for joining me on this weekly show. I want to give a, a shout out to our boss goddess at Mental Health News Radio Network, Kristen Walker, and my uh, editor, Daniel Cropper. Um, I want to say that parents, I have a webinar coming up April 13th and 14th, um, Parenting Teens That Struggle webinar. You can go to firemountainprograms.com, go under Parent Support, and uh, click on the Parent Weekend, and you will see a registration for the webinar series. You can can sign up for that to receive more information about it. It will be a two-day online course, uh, the same course that I offer my families here at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. If you are concerned that your kid might need residential treatment center, please check out my website at firemountainprograms.com. We are the most successful treatment center in uh, the state of Colorado and have one of the highest success rates in the United States. And you know what I just found out, parents, that because Thanks to you, Beyond Risk and Back is the number one parenting podcast in Colorado and the number one parenting podcast on Mental Health News Radio Network. So thank you, thank you, thank you for those listen, likes, subscribes, and shares. Uh, I really appreciate it. Put us out there as much as you can. Um, and uh, last but not least, our mantra. Folks, parents, you take care of yourself first. You take care of your adult relationships second and you take care of your children third because in that way we do our best work with our children i want to thank my guest victor i'm going to have him back on a later episode but right now i'm going to log off and i'm going to see if i can't get this kid some more resources so folks thanks for listening to beyond risk and back Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.